Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Okay, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 8 today. If you have your Bibles, turn along with me as we continue on in our People of God series as we work our way through the book of Acts and the things we can learn from this early church. I'm going to be reading verses 4 to 40 today as we uh, look at a wonderful story here of Philip and the church that goes out and uh, spreads the gospel. It says this, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or crippled were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in that city, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave them their attention. They exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the signs and the miracles that he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me this ability too, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands might receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord, in the hope that he might forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to that chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before her shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. 
As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Who can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Aztos and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all of the towns until he reached Caesarea. I love that. They preached the word of God wherever they went. One of the pastors that I love to read his commentaries is Warren Wearsby. He wrote many books. He served in a covenant church, lived in Lincoln, Nebraska, died just a few years ago. This week, I happened to read his introduction to this chapter, and I loved it. I wanted to share it with you. He said, there is one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world, and it is an idea whose time has come. And he said, the gospel of Jesus Christ is much more than an idea. It is the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes. He said, it is God's dynamite for breaking down sin's barriers and setting the prisoner free. He said, in this chapter, we see that its time has come. The salt was now leaving the salt shaker and would be spread out all over Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I just love that introduction. I love the images in particular that he uses here. For Acts 8 is about the gospel breaking out of Jerusalem and going to all of the nations. The salt was leaving the salt shaker. Jesus told his disciples that they would be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And the Lord was now spreading his people around the world to share more than just an idea, but salvation to everyone who would receive it. The Lord scattered his people to the nations. Philip, we read here, goes to Samaria, and then he goes down south to meet a man from Ethiopia, and then he goes way back up north to Caesarea. In our scripture, it says in 8.4 that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And that Greek word scattered literally means to scatter seed, like a farmer sowing his seed. And this was Jesus' parable of the sower and the seed coming to life. God the Father was scattering the seed for a great harvest of salvation. And some people responded to the message and others didn't. But he was salting the earth. He was sending his people out. And I love that it says they preached the word of God wherever they went. I have come to learn this truth. That God will use our life wherever we are. If you are a student studying with a group of friends, the Lord can use you there if you are open to sharing your faith. If you're on a team, God will use you on that team if you are willing. If you are working at a job, look around. There are co-workers that God cares about, and you will find opportunities that God will give you to be his light and salt in that job, to share his word and his love. If you are a nurse, a teacher, a guy who delivers the mail, or someone who just so happens to be in a restaurant where a waiter is ready to open up, we all can be a witness for Jesus wherever we are. If we would just wake up each day in the morning ready to give an answer for the hope 
that we have, ready to love God and love our neighbor as we drive to work or we sit in our class, always ready to serve the Lord whenever he calls, ready to worship him in whatever joy or suffering that we might find ourselves in, to be a light for him where we are today at our job at Aldi or in our school classroom or at the gym or when we're out with our friends or in our marriage or with our grandkids taking advantage of the time that we've been given with our neighbors or in our AA group or the small group at church, whether we are single, married, with kids, without kids, old, young, sad, happy, or depressed right now, the Bible tells us they preach the word of God wherever they went. I would even say it's wherever they were sent. Because the older I get, the more I realize God has a plan. And I'm not as in control as I think I am. He is working around me every day, and he's guiding our steps. You know, I thought that I was picking the college I wanted to go to. But now I think God wanted me there all along. And he was leading and giving me direction. I thought I was picking my career. But now I realize God was speaking and leading and guiding me and others that would point me in the direction to do what I was born to do. I thought I was picking my friends or my wife, and in a way, of course, I was. But the Lord was leading in all of those decisions. He is behind all things. He is working out his plans in you and me. And I think we can see that in our scripture for today. Philip goes down to Samaria because God wanted him there and guided him there. And then he felt God telling him to go to a particular desert road. And it was just the time when an Ethiopian man would be traveling by, needing someone to explain the scriptures to him. So you see, it isn't just that they preached the word of God wherever they went, but more accurately, wherever they were sent. For the Lord was guiding their steps. The Lord was scattering his people out to the nations. And I believe he still guides us today if we would listen to his spirit. Your life is on purpose. Just look around you. You are where he wants you. You're in your mission field. Everywhere you go in your day is your mission field. Just look around at the places that he has placed you at this time and this season in your life. It's for a reason. You are his light, his witness, his child, his voice to the people around you right now. These are the people that God cares about, who he wants to know him. And God will use your life where you are to speak the word of God for him, to share of the hope that you uniquely have found in Christ from the things that you have experienced and, and gone through. God deeply cares about the people you live with and pass by each day or work with or the friends that you have or those kids your kids play with at the park. The Lord cares about them knowing him and finding life and joy and peace and salvation every day. You and I are on mission. I really believe this with all my heart. I believe that the Spirit of God is at work in our life. I believe that God still cares about lost and hurting people. I believe that God still does miracles and He speaks and guides us, just like in Bible times. I believe that the church today is the same church with the same mission and the same power. And your calling might be unique and different from the person sitting next to you, 
but there are specific people you are able to reach that I can't or that your brother and your sister can't. There are things that God has done in your life that are going to encourage someone else and give hope to another person and point them to Jesus. Things that only you can say with authenticity or do. And we are never more alive and close to our Savior than we are doing what we were made to. That early church was scattered exactly to where God wanted them to be. Each one went to a different, unique place, to a particular people, and they each preached the word of God wherever they went. Well, in our chapter, we read here about a guy named Philip. And we know from Acts 6 that Philip was one of those chosen to be one of the seven deacons. He was listed as number two, only behind Stephen. But Stephen, we read last week, was killed for his faith. So Philip was next in line. When the church was scattered, we read that Philip went down to Samaria. And I think that shows his heart and God's heart too. Because Samaria was a tough assignment. The Samaritans were not people that were liked. The Samaritans were a half-breed of both Jew and Gentile. They didn't fit in anywhere. They were seen as different and worshipped God different. In fact, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. And that was true. They didn't know God. They had walked away from God a long time ago. They weren't doing things right. They were lost. But God still cared about them, even though they were lost and far away. God still cared. And when most people went out of their way to avoid Samaria, even walking miles around instead of entering into it, Jesus walked right on in. And just like Jesus, Philip does too. He goes to Samaria. It is where the Spirit led him because God loved Samaritans, even if they were lost. He came to seek and save the lost. And he didn't preach against them. He preached to them because they needed Jesus. And so we read here in verse 5 that Philip preached in Samaria that Jesus was the Messiah. And God did miracles in that city. And it says in verse 12 that after hearing the gospel, they believed in the name of Jesus and were baptized, both men and women. The gospel had officially now moved out of Jerusalem and Judea and had come to, of all places, Samaria. And I just want to pause for a moment in this as we think about it and ask, who is Samaria today? And I don't mean the particular region in Israel, but I mean who is like Samaria today in our life? Who do we avoid that God still cares about? Who is a church do we despise and think is the furthest away from God? Who is so lost that they don't know their way or who they are or who God is and they do a whole lot of stuff that makes us cringe? Well, Jesus still loves them and died for them and wants them to know him. He wants them to be saved and forgiven of their sins and know God and have everlasting life. He isn't interested in a church preaching against them, but a church preaching to them. Just like Jonah in the Old Testament, sometimes God sends us to a people and places we don't want to go. God sent Philip to Samaria, 
not to tell them they're fine just the way they are, but to preach the truth of God there, to tell them about Jesus and to care about them and to let them know of what God has done. And God did miracles there. And things began to turn around and happen. Lives began to change. Who are the Samaritans that God is really wanting you to care about? People who need Jesus, just like you. I believe God still sends his people to Samaria. And our calling is not just to be their friend. They need more than our friendship. They need Jesus, who lives inside of you and me. And how can they know him? Unless we share him. They need the word of God proclaimed to them to help them understand it. Like the Ethiopian said in our scripture, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? It's why you and I are here. It's where God has placed us for a reason. To be light and salt. To love them, yes. But love them enough to share Jesus with them. They preach the word of God wherever they went. Now I want you to notice a pattern in the book of Acts. Wherever God is on a move, we see authentic believers, but we also see ones who are false, who are pretending. For if you remember back in Acts chapter 5, it told us that the early church was generous and people gave of their possessions to help others in need. And it mentions a guy named Barnabas who sold land and gave all the money to the apostles and gave to, so that they could give it to the needy. And then right after that, it says, a couple named Ananias and Sapphira also sold property. But they didn't give it all, but secretly kept some for themselves. But they made it seem like they gave it all because they were looking for the praise of men and not God. There were those who were authentic and there were those who were pretending. Well, we see the same thing in our chapter for today. There is this story of a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. And he had everyone under his spell in that town. It appears that he was a very popular guy. He was even called the great power of God, for he would use sorcery to amaze people, and he boasted that he was someone great. But then Philip came along, and Philip was the real deal. And the townspeople could see the difference in the true power of God. They saw the Holy Spirit. They saw miracles. They heard the message. They heard the truth. And what they had believed in before they now realize was a counterfeit. And so they chose Jesus. And Simon was no longer the big shot. His deception no longer worked. And let me just say that there are a lot of counterfeits out there in the world. And we can get sucked into thinking they're something. They dazzle us. They boast that they are what we need. They may even do amazing things to get our attention. And we buy their lie, their lifestyle, their promises, but it's all a show. We may even call them someone great, a man of God. And there are still Simon the sorcerers out there who trick us into thinking there's something they are not. And it's not just the religious fakes. It can be the smart scientist that we all think is something because he's got a degree, but he is not speaking the truth of God or the will of God. It can be the politician that we all get sucked into thinking will save us in our country who can't who is just looking out for himself. 
Or it can even just be the lies of this world that we keep chasing after to fulfill in us what only Jesus can. How we chase after these idols that wow us like Simon the sorcerer. When what we really need is Jesus. He's the real deal in a world of counterfeits. He is like no other. When we truly hear the truth of his word, we know the difference. We can spot the fakes. When we truly know what love is, we know what it's not. When we truly find life in Christ, we know what we had before was just death. When we see the light, we now can recognize the darkness. We're not tricked anymore. When we see true godliness, we now can see our own sin. With the Holy Spirit, we know the grace and the power of God and what is just sorcery. Simon is called out in our scripture. The crowds turn to Jesus because he's the real deal, and what they had before was not. And we read that Simon even tries to buy whatever magic the apostles have so that the people will follow him again. But Peter can see through him and see Simon for who he really is and that his heart is not right with God. It's just a show for him. It's just about him. So Peter tells him, you can't buy this. It's free, but only to those who truly repent and believe. But the second part of our chapter here, as the word goes out, is about an Ethiopian. And this is one of my favorite stories in Acts. For after going to Samaria, the Lord tells Philip next to go south to a specific desert road that leads to Gaza. And Gaza is next to Egypt, and that is on the way to Africa. Ethiopia is in Africa. Our chapter tells us there is an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official of the queen, that had come to Jerusalem to worship and was now on his way back home. He is riding in his chariot, and he is reading from the book of Isaiah, we are told. Well, an angel of the Lord tells Philip, way back in Samaria, to go to this particular road that led to Gaza. Now, the angel doesn't tell Philip why he's to go there or who he's going to meet or anything about it. But the angel just tells Philip, I want you to go there. And we read that Philip does it. Philip was so in step with the Holy Spirit that when God told him to do something, Philip just did it, even if he didn't understand. Has God ever laid on your heart to call someone? or to stop by somewhere, or to do something. And it's not something that you would have thought up on your own, but you just feel you're supposed to do that. I think I've told you this story, but Carrie was living in Ohio where she grew up, and, and one day she just felt God was telling her to move to Chicago. Oh, she prayed about it, and she knew that's where she was supposed to go. She had never been to Chicago, Never thought she would live anywhere but Chillicothe. Her father wasn't happy that she was wanting to go to Chicago. She had a great job in Chillicothe, and everything seemed great there. She even had a ministry and a, and a church that she loved. And in Chicago, she knew nothing of that place or knew nobody there. She didn't even have a job when she left. She got an apartment and applied at different places, heard nothing back until she saw this ad at North Park College and applied there. Where a few months later, I walked up to the business office and we met. 
and the rest is history. I swept her off her feet. No, actually, it was the other way around. <laughs> but she 100% believes that God told her to go. And so she went. But there was more. When we were dating, she also told me that God didn't just tell her to go to Chicago, but gave her the name Winfield. And she didn't know what that meant. She was worried that I would think that she was crazy, and I did. <laughs> but I still liked her. Well, after we were married, we got a call from this church in Canada to come and interview uh, to a job there to be pastor. And boy, we didn't want to go to Canada. It's the last place we wanted to go. But we felt we were at least to take the step to go up there and then to nicely tell them, it's not for us, it's too far away from home. Well, we went, and the guy who picked us up at the airport uh, told us we would be staying with this family who lived in a town called Winfield. And Carrie and I just looked at each other in the car. And it was just like confirmation. We interviewed up there, and we met the people, and they were great. And it just seemed absolutely a perfect fit. Like God had planned this all the time. And so that word Winfield was just another way for God to say, hey, I'm in this. I'm behind this. I still believe in a God who leads his people, who tells them strange things like go to a certain road in the middle of the desert because God knew this man was traveling down that road and needed Philip to explain the word of Christ to him. For the Bible tells us Philip goes to that road and just that time that he goes an Ethiopian man is riding by and God tells Philip, walk alongside that chariot a while. And when he does, Philip hears the man reading from the book of Isaiah. And so Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. And I love this story so much because it shows that God was already at work in this Ethiopian's man's life before Philip even showed up. The man had come to worship in Jerusalem he was also reading from the Bible. But the pieces were just not coming together. And so he needed someone to help him understand. We are often the people God uses to help explain what God is already doing in their life. To help them put the pieces together and see Jesus. I have tried to live by this principle. That God is already at work in our lives that we aren't to make things happen for God, but that we are to partner with God in what he's already doing. We aren't to do things for God, but we are to do things with God. And that is what Philip is doing in our chapter. God tells him to go to this place. Philip doesn't just pick where to go. God shows him. And then God tells him to walk alongside of this chariot. And then Philip hears the man reading and asks him, do you understand? Philip is doing ministry with God. And it makes all the difference. He's not doing his own thing. He's joining God and what God is already doing around him. Similarly, we are to look for where God is already moving and join him. We're to wait to listen to people's questions. We're to pray and to hear the Spirit as he leads us to do ministry with God not for God. And something really cool here, the passage of Scripture 
that it quotes in our chapter that this man was reading is from Isaiah 53. And it's so important because the Ethiopian was a eunuch, which means that his parents had sold him at a young age to be a slave in the palace. And the slaves were castrated to protect the queen. So this man had had a difficult life. He may be riding in a chariot, but he's really a slave. He had gone through huge suffering and abandonment by his parents. At a young age, he had been led like a lamb to the slaughter. He had been deprived of a voice and of justice. He could have no descendants. And the scripture that he is reading and connecting with there that is mentioned from Isaiah was talking about Jesus' suffering. That is why the Ethiopian is so interested and asks, who is this man who has been despised and rejected? A man of suffering and familiar with pain because I can tell he knows me. He can sympathize with my life and the pain I've had to go through. You see, God was at work in this man's life before Philip even got there. Philip was just there to help translate. He was there to tell the eunuch, the man's name is Jesus. And he does know our pain and suffering. He came to save us. Acts 8 tells us that Philip began with that very passage. And I bet you anything that Philip took the Ethiopian to the next chapter in Isaiah, where it says in Isaiah 55, 3, let no foreigner in chains say the Lord will exclude him. Let no eunuch complain they are a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and hold my covenant. To them I will give a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. I will bring them to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house. God was speaking right to this man. Philip was just there to translate. And when that man heard the voice of God, he believed. And it says he saw the water along the road and said, what is to stop me from being baptized? And he got out of the chariot and Philip baptized him right there. It's not doing ministry for God, but with God. The Lord cares about every person on the planet. And those early believers were led by the Holy Spirit. They preached the word of God wherever they went. And lives were changed from Samaria to Ethiopia. The salt was leaving the salt shaker. And I pray that we, the people of God today, would follow in those footsteps and see where we have been sent, to whom is around us, and to dare to share the hope that we have in Christ. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.